I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business. I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in on this episode of the Hornady Podcast. I am your host, Seth Swerzik, and today, a panel of folks around me to my left, fellow marketeer, Preston Lentfer, across the table, another marketeer, Matt Ritchie, and project engineer, Miles Neville. Guys, thanks for gathering around the table. Good morning. It is a good morning. And in fact, it's a better morning every single day because every single day that I wake up and I look at the thermometer... It's getting colder every morning. And that makes me excited. I wish we were gathered around a campfire. It would be quaint. It would be. Mm -hmm. A literal campfire crackling in the center, gathered around, talking about something that we're all passionate about. And that is- We get the smoke for free anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. We are getting- You know what? This is tangential, but my kids had to have recess in school because of the smoke from Canada. Mm. We don't get that out here on the prairie that much. You know, normally that's a Western thing, but I digress. The topic today, one that I said we're all passionate about and that we are increasingly becoming more passionate about it. I mean, the the rate at which I went from, oh, yeah, okay, suppressor to unless I'm legally forced, I don't shoot with that one for the most part. Um, it, it happened pretty quick, and that's something that has really engulfed us all. So this episode, I want to talk about suppressors, kind of some different varieties, how we like to use them, some hunting application. Your, your children, hunting with your family, shooting with your family, using them in competition, pistols, how they interact with gas guns. There's a whole world of suppressors, and there's way more brands out there than there used to be, and they're easier to get. Now, they're still lengthy. The, the, the timeline it takes to get one is, is certainly ridiculous, but the process and the paperwork, there's several companies out there that we'll talk about that have really standardized that process. So, Basically, we're in a world where if you don't have a suppressor, it's your own fault. And as soon as you get one, you're going to wish you would have ordered two. That's how it was for me. How about you guys? Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, it is a lengthy process, and but the 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 prize is well worth the wait. Yeah. I would. I, I yeah. Think. The first precision rifle that I had built, I had with just 11 degree target crown, no muzzle threads, no nothing. I figured, well, who needs all that stuff? And then I was lucky enough to get uh, acquainted with the O'Neill Ops guys, and we went out and shot suppressed one day. And I was like, "Yep, uh, I need that." Yep, we're gonna have, was, we're gonna was, go ahead and that get was that. That was an easy easy decision. What year was that? Uh, twenty fifteen or so. Yeah, hmm. Matt, what about you? Yeah, my first introduction. My uncle had one on a three hundred eight. Geez, like before mid, they were cool, mid two thousands. And so, yeah, that was just yeah. He was like the proverbial hunting rock star because he had a suppressor on his gun. And it was just, yeah, shoot prairie dogs, shoot deer, shoot, you know, coyotes. Yeah, it was, that was my first dip of the toe in the water. And it's, yeah. Yep. So for the listener out there that hasn't shot suppressed, what what benefits does uh, the suppressor give the, uh, the user immediately, regardless of sport or hunting or competition? What do they experience right out of the gate? You get the can, you thread it on. What do you guys get? I guess it, depending on uh, the cartridge you're shooting and the size of the suppressor that you have and the efficiency of it, um, you're going to see markedly quieter muzzle report. Um, and it's not movie quiet, uh, especially supersonic firearms like supersonic ammunition is, is still going to create a sonic boom as the bullet goes through the air. Uh, and that's going to sound like 
a high velocity 22, basically, no matter what, you're going to get a, you know, you're still going to get that. But the muzzle report, there's no bang. There's no big boom, no thunder, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it, yeah, just cuts most of that almost completely away. So depending on what it is, it may or may not be hearing safe. Um, If you're going to shoot a lot of rounds, it's still a good idea to to put plugs in or something um, Mm -hmm. throughout a day. But if you're just, uh, yeah, shooting a few rounds or if you're in an open environment and the wind's blowing it to your back, I mean, it, 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 it doesn't hurt your ears at all. No. And so, yeah, the biggest benefit is it's just plain quieter. Yeah. And I don't know where I heard this, but I heard this many years ago. I uh, might've been on a Vortex Optics podcast, but I can't remember where the analogy that they gave was if I was standing in front of you and I shoved you in the chest as hard as I could. You know, you, you would experience that like, okay, this guy just shoved me in the chest. And then if I did that exact same thing and I shoved you in the chest as hard as I could. And when I did that, a giant explosion happened, it would be more impactful in your mind just because there's a giant explosion, even though I pushed you the same. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of a good analogy when shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Like just in the sound alone, regardless of what this might do to recoil, which we'll talk about in a moment, just the audible bang of a rifle sometimes is enough to go oh wow like that that was very impactful as right. i pulled the trigger and cutting that out um is huge one just for for hearing and two for shootability you know you put these suppressors on some bigger cartridges or uh, if you're recoil sensitive you put them on some moderate size cartridges it helps you be a better shooter in my opinion just by getting rid of the sound right um it can be can help with developing bad habits if you've got the flinch or something from shooting big magnums for a bunch of years this can help with that again just in sound mitigation yeah uh, there's also a benefit of recoil reduction yeah let's too. talk about that it, it's not like like a muzzle break kind of cuts it and it's a sharp you know like a sharp event when you shoot with a muzzle break uh, with a suppressor it's it it just delays that it pulls that impulse out longer um and so you get more of a push out of like heavy recoiling yeah. stuff. Smaller stuff you don't really notice as much, but the heavier stuff you'll you'll get more of a lengthy push that yeah. is you know, the peak of it is lower, I guess. Yeah. But certainly a dramatic improvement over bare muscle. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think the the right vernacular that in my mind when I think of say my seven PRC for example that I built, the seven PRC suppressor bipod scope, it's right at ten pounds and that's with literally everything bolted onto it so it's a pretty lightweight rifle in the world of precision hunting rifles and when i shoot it with a brake versus suppressor the recoil may or may not be the same but it's soft that's the word that makes sense to me when i think of uh shooting with the suppressor as far as recoil reduction is that it makes the recoil softer Mm -hmm. Um, like you said it really lengthens out that essential push is what it feels like just a soft push versus the hard sharp sharp abrupt recoil that that we're all used to from either bare muzzles or muzzle brakes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's as, how I describe it too. Are they sure. as effective as a muzzle brake? No. I, in it my depends. experience, no. There are some, there's stuff like the Area 419 Maverick, um, and there's some other brands that are doing that that are geared for precision rifle competitions. Um, and in that realm, they're, they come close. There, there is some overlap with maybe some less efficient brakes and some of the more efficient suppressors, but those also end up being louder suppressors too. So mm. you get kind of some of some of the best of both, I guess. But it's not; they're not dead quiet. Do we even bring up the fact that that some of the suppressor only matches that I've been to, they've not allowed right. such 
suppressors that yeah. have brakes mm-hmm. on the end of them. Oh, really? Yeah. One of those. They're, like, they're loud enough that it, it you probably should, everybody around should have ears. Yeah. So you yeah. said like the Area 419 Maverick, and I know the Southern Saco Omega has what they call their anchor brake that mm-hmm. they can thread on the end of it um, just to help <clears throat> further reduce the recoil, but it does. Yeah. I know there's some 50 louder. caliber suppressors as well that have, have that on there mm. just to try to. But I would, I would use a 50 cal suppressor on a 50 cal <laughs> 11 times out of 10. Yeah. Every time. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a big gun, big cartridge, a lot of powder. Yep. Find the latest shirts, hats, hoodies, and accessories that you see here on the podcast and much more at HornadyGear.com. So with these suppressors, um, I think all of us probably got into it and in just that it was, wow, that's nice. It softens that recoil. It's quieter. But now the implication of that experience for you also translates to everybody around you and the game that you're hunting if you use them for hunting. So um, what have you guys done as far as a kind of across the board precision rifle general shooting? You know, we like to just go out and shoot targets. Um, Are you guys using suppressors the majority of the time? Are you shooting with your family? What's going on there? Hunting wise, I've shot a handful of animals suppressed and, and that's really about all i've done i don't think i've ever used one in a precision rifle match mm-hmm. except for the suppressors only matches right so for me i guess if i'm gonna be muffed up and, and wear an ear pro because other people aren't required to run suppressed and they're going to run their muzzle brakes i'm just going to run a muzzle yeah. brake as well but i don't know i'm kind of changing on that the more i shoot the six arc it's so light recoiling anyway i may just put the can on put the can on there yeah. depending on the length of the barrel some of my barrels are fairly long and become a little bit unwieldy but um thunder beast ultra five on the way that might change mm, yeah get a little bit on the short side matt how about you i know you've got a bunch of kids yeah. that you love to get out in the field and they love to just target practice too yeah so if competition wise i'm just i'm gonna run a break unless like once i get my six arc done then i'll probably see about putting my suppressor on it for competition wise but if i'm at home like i live in the country i've got i can shoot 100 yards down my drive down along the side of my driveway so if i'm either out there practicing on a barricade or i got my kids out getting ready for hunting season um, now that i've got a suppressor it's gonna it's gonna be on that gun Mm -hmm. hunting too like i i just like I said, once I got that, drank that first sip of Kool-Aid, it's like, I got to have one of these. Now that I got one, I want more of them and I want them on Everything. every hunting gun. Yeah. So now I'll say hunting. I haven't noticed a huge difference in the way the animals react, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, it's a small sample, but mm-hmm. I haven't noticed a huge difference. I've just noticed that I can shoot my gun without hearing protection. Way more and it's just, yeah, it's, it's a lot nicer. Yeah. See, and now I, I have seen it because last year... Yeah, talk uh, us through your last season. I yeah. know your kids doubled up yep. on some great bucks last year. So last season, um, opening day, like right at last shooting light, deer comes out, boy, boys laying prone, shoot. I told him, it was my fault. I told him the wrong dope, shot over the back of that deer. And he just stood there at like three, you know, almost 300 yards, just stood there. And we were able to, he sent another one. And again, it, he missed, just clean miss, my fault. And that deer bounded 40 As yards a off dad him. you had to feel like yeah oh, yeah I, I was a, i felt like you know this big so but it worked out um we ended up getting them two nice deer later on but yeah so that deer like i said two shots in a row didn't move bounded off 40 yards we didn't get another shot at him 
Then later that year for our late doe season, I shot two does within 80 yards of each other at, at 200 yards or so. And they shot the first one, went, you know, went 20, 30 yards into it, looking into another field. That deer was standing there eating. He never even knew that that first one had been shot. Wow. So, I mean. You've, you've seen yeah. that for sure. Yep. So it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell a lot of times because there's sometimes like the place that we all go to hang out and shoot. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like a buddy's, he's got like a, a ranch farm set up where he's got a target range, uh, you know, along with it and the deer there will be shooting. They're so accustomed to it. Yeah. We'll be shooting. We'll look over and like, oh, wow, there's a herd of deer right there and, and they don't care. So it's, it's hard to tell individually how much the animals, you know, care or notice or how much, you know, difference it makes. But I definitely have noticed like shooting at coyotes. Um, this has been years back, but I was out antelope hunting uh, and saw three or four coyotes uh, sitting on a hill. And your antelope hunt turned to a coyote. Yeah. Huh? And I was like, I held off for the longest time because I was trying to get to this group of antelope. And I was like, yeah, they're, they're outpacing me. I ain't going to catch them. So then uh, set up and, and took a couple shots at coyotes. And this was eight or 900 yards away. Um, and I don't think I ended up connecting, but I did notice that that the first two shots they were like what was that you know look around and and don't immediately just start bolting because yeah. like, that's a smart animal and i say smart maybe not so like consciously smart but instinctually they don't stick around for anything right mm -hmm. so. and so yeah they like you could see where they were looking at the spot on the ground where the bullet hit and they're like what you know what was that and yeah. uh and then by the second or third they kind of got the idea and got out of there um i have definitely noticed it with prairie dogs though uh, cause growing up as a, you know, a kid or whatever, go out with 22s and my dad's 308 or whatever, and just, you know, blast or whatever. And it's like, you take two shots and everything within 200 yards is in a hole and mm -hmm. peeking their head out, you know, and chirping. Uh, the first time I went out with a suppressed precision rifle, you know, years later was like insane to me how effective it was. I mean, it take 50 rounds and you get 35 dogs and takes eight to 12 shots before they really catch on to what's yeah. what's going on and start ducking down in the hole so both the ability to shoot at an extended range and then have them not be so spooky um was yeah like stark stark contrast from from what i had done as a kid yep i think my first experience in shooting an animal a big game animal with a suppressor uh would have been 2017 or 18 I believe maybe 19. I can't remember. I digress. Anyway, as I was hunting, uh, out in the beautiful sand hills, Western Nebraska and put the, put the stock on this mule deer from 1400 yards, got to 327 yards. And it was this beautiful specimen of a very stereotypical sand hills mule deer and the sand hills bucks, you know, it's, it's not uncommon to have nice, big, wide frames, sun bleached horns. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, that was, great buck but he had like eight does with him and at 327 yards uh thunder beast ultra 7 suppressor shooting uh, kind of a wildcat hot rod 7 millimeter and i took one shot he went down and the rest of the does picked their heads up looked around and went right back to feeding around and by the time i got my tripod torn down my my pack because i dropped it uh pack picked up i was shooing deer away as i walked up to the deer and this is five six minutes later um so i've witnessed that again not a big sample size uh and the other big game animals i've taken since then um very similar stories and like you've mentioned miles shooting prairie dogs we do a big media prairie dog event every year 
and you can you can see the difference. It's pretty remarkable. You start putting suppressors on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I got my first suppressor, and I remember uh, I put it on a six-five Creedmoor twenty-two inch barrel, and I had it clamped into a tripod, and I had my four or five-year-old at the time. I had the tripod clamped in on a piece of steel. All you have to do is is pull the trigger and it's going to hit the piece of steel, big giant tripod all clamped in tight with the suppressor on there. And my wife uh, was like, oh my gosh, that not only can our oldest son just walk up to that rifle and pull the trigger, bar- rifle barely moves. It's quiet for everybody out here on our acres. This is just amazing. I said, why don't we have one of these on every gun that you own? And I was like, you know what? It's a good ding, question. Ding, ding. You're yeah. going to open that door, honey. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, and I, I say that to, to bring up the point that although it can feel burdensome to get through the paperwork side of getting your first suppressor, once you work with companies, one, that make it easy, or two, once you understand how that works uh, and you do it on your own, once you do that one time, it's not that problematic it's not that intrusive and you get them you're going to wish you would have bought two off, uh, after you bought the first one and we try to use well, it well there's going to be people in the comments that say that it is too intrusive i would I agree guarantee that's going to happen <clears throat> because it well because it is but that's that's the rules we live in and i can't change yeah. the rules Man. and what i can do is shoot suppressed yeah. and but uh, but like preston alluded to at the end of the day the juice is worth the squeeze because really once is. you go through the process and wait that time you get that thing and you use it the first time, it's yep. worth it. It so. is. And I would second uh, what you guys have mentioned. For precision rifle competitions, I prefer to shoot with the muzzle brake simply because of the recoil reduction. Um, you have to wear muffs anyway because not everybody's running a suppressor. And if you're shooting like a 6.5 Creedmoor that has a little bit more recoil than, say, these six arcs, um, it helps you be stable off a of barricade and stuff like that. But for bolt gun stuff, for AR stuff, I'm using a suppressor unless I'm legally required not to and one particular hunt that preston and i were on with no suppressor i remember this really one. i was gonna bring it up really opened my eyes to like all right maybe i just need to just pull the trigger and just get one so we were out uh i'll, I'll leave some of the details out because they're not please do they're not specific to uh the topic of this podcast but we were out on some public land left at Midnight, I think I left, got to Preston's house at about 1240, and then we drove for five hours into the sand hills, and we were going to go out hunt public land mule deer. And uh, at the time, my dad had a really big magnum. It was a 300 rum, Wyatt's box mag, hand-loaded 212s, running 3,000 feet per second. It was the ultimate long bomber. This was before the 300 PRC. Yeah, it was before the 300 PRC, mm-hmm. right after the 212 came out. So anyhow, the, the thought was these sand hills deer, you might get a shot at 40 yards. Or you might get a shot at 400, but there's really not a lot of in-between depending on how these hills lay out. So I wanted to be ready for a longer shot. And the gun shot, great. Had a little muzzle break on there. And we're a few hours into the hunt, and we get presented with a really nice Sandhills whitetail. And in it was good enough that I was like, I'm here for a mule deer, but I'll shoot that whitetail. There's no question. It was also four degrees, and we'd already walked three miles through a foot of snow yeah it was it was a it was tough hunting it was zero when we got there drove through an ice storm however uh, i get this shot opportunity at 480 yards and there was just some things going on that made me not comfortable with that shot so the plan was we were going to back off the hill we were on go to the north 
about a half a mile loop and come up the other side of this hill. And then I'd have either a closer shot or the same distance it was about 480 yards, but it would change the direction of fire. And I felt a lot better about that. So as I'm climbing up the hill, Preston's behind me, 60, 80 yards, the deer unbeknownst to us had come up the other side of the hill. And then I'm coming up the backside and now we're staring at each other at 61 yards. And I was rather ill-prepared. So now I have this big buck staring at me, like 135, 140-inch whitetail at 61 yards. And I could have just thrown the rifle up and shot him right there standing at 61 yards, but I didn't have earplugs in. So I slowly take a knee, and the buck's staring at me. And after the hunt, Preston was like, I was wondering, what the heck were you doing? Because I took a knee, and I was down there for like a minute. And he's wondering why I'm not shooting this deer. What I was doing was balling up toilet paper and stuffing it in my ears because I was not about to touch off a 300 run with a break. Absorb that blood that's going to about to flow out of your <laughs> yeah. ear. Yeah. <laughs> so long story short, we shoot the deer. Everything's awesome. But I, I would have passed that shot opportunity simply because I didn't have hearing protection in. And it's an afterthought when you're in the heat of the hunt. It, it is. And then all of a sudden your ears are rung and you've got three miles through a foot of snow back to the truck to even just feel comfortable again. Yeah. While your head's just pounding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Hornady Rapid Safe Keypad Vault offers quick, dependable access to your firearm while providing security from unauthorized users. The Rapid Safe Keypad Vault is constructed of a heavy-duty 14-gauge steel housing and thick steel lid for tamper-proof security. The included RFID watch band tag and RFID decal can be selectively programmed to open this safe and any other Rapid Safe you own. The Rapid Safe Keypad Vault from Hornady Security. So, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about competition and bolt actions and hunting. Let's talk a little bit more now about gas guns, because that's a little bit more of a, of a sticky widget. With the bolt gun, thread the can on there and go have some fun. With a gas gun, there can, there can be instances where you just put the can on and go about your life, but there can be instances where it's a little gassy. You feel stings in your face. The gun doesn't cycle very well. So, uh, Miles, fellas... What's been your experience with suppressed uh, semi-autos? Yeah, uh, your best bet, if you know it's going to be predominantly on a gas gun, is to get the flow-through designs, uh, OSS or Huxworks or whatever, stuff like that. Oh, uh, and that's, so you're talking suppressor design. Yeah, yeah, the flow-through suppressors are the way to go. Um, it, like, I use this Ultra 5 on my AR, uh, and it definitely increases the, like, the gas pressure the back pressure in the system um and so what you'll get i mean you'll get puffs of it into your eye if you run a ton of lube you'll get black spray on your face from blowing lubricant out of the back of the upper and everything uh it, it just yeah it, it holds more gas back in the system and and it throws it back uh, into the breach especially in direct impingement like ar platform yeah so that takes some of the benefit of the suppressor it's quiet everything's right. nice and it kind of mitigates right. a little bit because yeah. now I'm getting peppered in the well, face. Yeah. And you get more, there is more breech blast. So that's louder to you. So I can take the same, I can take a 16 inch six arc bolt gun, put ultra five on it and it's kosher. Totally awesome. Put it on a gas gun. And now it's ringing my bell because of all the breech blast, okay. the, the, the gas that's coming out of the breech when the, when the, when it cycles and opens up. Um, so if you, if you don't have that and, and you're just with a traditional suppressor design, the best bet is to start off with um, an adjustable gas block because you're okay. going to want to probably tune the gas down. It will, it'll run like it's over-gassed, basically, when you put the suppressor on there. 
Okay, because right. essentially you're you're like you said you're holding more of that pressure right into the system. Yeah, uh, yeah, holding on to it longer. Uh, basically, you're maintaining a higher pressure longer. Um, and there may or may not be a happy place where you can have the rifle run with or without the suppressor with the gas setting. You you might you, you might be cornered it. into a place where you have to adjust it each way to mm-hmm. when when you go suppressed or unsuppressed. So you'll adjust it to work with the suppressor. You'd like tame it down a little bit and then you'll take the suppressor off and then the gun won't cycle or vice versa. You'll get it to run well without the suppressor. You put the suppressor on and it can overgas it so much that the bolt velocity is so high because you have so much pressure coming back that it, it will kick cases against the upper and basically bounce them back inside and you'll stove pipe. It'll look wow. like it, or it'll look like it failed to cycle. Even, uh, it'll sometimes when you get them overgassed enough, it looks like you're not getting enough gas when really it's just Way getting hammered. Yeah. Just so totally what are hammered. some of the variables beside the adjustable gas block that if you're building an AR or if you purchase one that you can kind of manipulate to help better run suppressed? Well, I want to throw in here too, besides the flow through suppressor or whatever it's vernacular is, <clears throat> as far as adjustable gas blocks go, there's also a, they call it a bleed off gas block. Right. That actually sends the extra gas forward and away so there is another nice option there too oh, if you're going to be i don't have any experience with those is that a new thing uh, it's been around for a few years now okay yeah. yeah i don't i don't have one myself but i've heard good things about them. very good things yeah. okay yeah um yeah i don't know that's pretty much it the other yeah. thing you can do is is there's um charging handles and and other stuff that you can put in the back end of the upper um that are that are purpose made to oh, stop just to- to keep yeah. this stuff from getting into your eyes. because so it, it doesn't it, fix the problem. It just fixes the symptom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Which is still beneficial. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, it can definitely make a night and day. Like, like mm-hmm. you will start crying, tearing up within three or four shots with some setups, and then you put a different charging handle in, and it's yeah. okay. Do you, guys, do you ever play with buffer configuration and buffer spring bolt? mass you know different bolts you to can. help mitigate yeah that, yeah it's all doing the same thing you're you're affecting bolt velocity is is the main thing um yeah. bolt carrier velocity with like like an ar-15 that's the main thing you're looking at um because you're you so yeah it's either you put a stiffer spring a heavier buffer or you cut the gas down um got it and and you may like i said yeah you may have more or less success with any one of those depending on what the setup is there's a lot of variables there yeah well the, yeah a lot of variables but again matt said it a couple times the juice worth the squeeze uh just take the time to set your gun up right if you're yeah. going to be primarily suppressed. And Matt, you're a big varmint guy, coyote mm-hmm. hunting. Are you a bolt gun guy, coyote hunting, or do you take the AR out? And if so, are you running a suppressor out there? I'm I'm a bolt gun guy mainly out of necessity. I uh, don't have an AR right now. I've had a few and gotten rid of them, traded them, done whatever. But I'm a bolt gun guy, and I'm you've been around you enough. I'm a short barreled bolt gun guy for my coyote gun. Cause I am putting that seven inch thunder or thunder beast ultra seven on it. Mm-hmm. So I want it to be easy to, cause all, all I'm the type of guy, like I'll park and I'll walk half mile in to get set up. You know, I'm not just going to park behind the hill and walk up over the hill and, and start calling. Yeah. Like I'm going to walk can get away with that on so. ground that hasn't been hunted hard for coyotes. Yeah about one time mm-hmm. and then yeah generally they're yeah so i run a 22 inch barreled six mil remington ackley with a that's my primary go-to gun for for varmints okay so well i think i'm gonna i'm not a particularly bolt gun lover or excuse me gas gun lover either kind of got that out of my system early uh, but now with cartridges like the six millimeter arc mm-hmm. when i think about varmint hunting yeah it makes sense to just put a put a gas gun together a little 18 inch gas gun suppressor and and let it's- it eat Especially since, you know, in my mind, if I've got a pair of coyotes coming in or two or three coyotes, you know, with suppressed, running suppressed, 
you get those follow-up shots. You know, you might have to just yip or turn the old pup distress on, and that second or third coyote is either going to stop, or if there's another one out there, he might come in and see what's going on. So there you go. You get one coyote, two coyote, maybe three coyotes. Yeah, so, nothing feels better than that. Yep. Awesome. One, one thing I'm thinking about, uh, I just got a thermal optic for night hunting, you know, coyotes and raccoons, whatnot. Does the suppressor tame muzzle flash at all, you know, on the, on the shorter guns? Is yeah. is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, you'll, you'll see that, especially at night. Um, night and dusk, twilight, whatever, you'll you'll see that there's usually almost no flash signature. Um, like, if I were to put a short can, like an Ultra 5 or something, onto, like, a 308, like a 16-inch 308, you'll still get, you'll get bang out of that. Like, you'll still get pop, yep. and you'll see a flash out of the front of it. Most of the time, like, these titanium suppressors are, until they get a good coating of carbon on the inside, you'll get little purple sparks that come out of the front of them, that just where the powder kernels are hitting the titanium and sparking it out. Um, but yeah, it's like the, the flash signature is, is almost completely gone. Now for thermal, I don't think it would really matter for night vision. You, you would definitely get a, get a little bit of that. Um, yeah, night vision suppressed, like, or thermal suppressed, uh, ARs is the way I go for, for coyote hunting. Mm. And then during the daytime, it's a toss up. Just depends on what, what gun I got ready. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you're hunting something else, cause a mm-hmm. lot of, we've talked about it on this podcast a lot over the last year and a half but a lot of hunts turn into coyote hunts just yeah. like your antelope hunt and yeah. so sometimes it's whatever you got with you um, changing gears a little bit uh, an area i have no experience with let's talk suppressor use on handguns it's uh, nice yeah, yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i got no idea yeah. either yeah uh, and it's not out of any i just one i'm not a big handgun shooter i have handguns i do practice with them quote unquote train with them i carry a gun every day but suppressors are not conducive to carrying on your appendix or something, for yeah, example. Yeah. But where do they fit for you, Miles, specifically, since you have the most experience with that? And I have shot them, and it is just plain fun. Is that... Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a it's a range toy. Um, there may be some application for, like, trappers or varmint, you know, like raccoons or something like that in a... I don't know if... Yeah, it depends on the setup, but yeah, like if, if you, you got a trap line, that's yeah, a good yeah, point. Yeah, um, and you don't want to make you know you're in an area where maybe you got neighbors, you know, some distance away that would hear a gunshot, get peeved about it, you know, yeah. but or it, just the fact like, oh, I have an animal in a trap that I'm gonna have to shoot, and I don't want to right here. Handguns, regardless of what they are, ring your bell yeah. if you don't have ears. Um, and so it's nice for that. The, you have to the. the best benefit of it is with subsonic ammo so like 45 acp you're fine nine millimeter you got to go to like 135 to 147 grain or or heavier the specific subsonic ammunition Mm -hmm. um yeah it's just plain fun it's it sounds like a pellet gun i mean and you're getting all of what a you know nine millimeter whatever caliber it is yeah out of it so well you brought up a good point there and we'll go back to semi-autos here you talk about subsonic i totally glossed that over there is, you're talking about range toys. There's nothing funner on the range or for thermal hunting than a suppressed 300 blackout running our 190 sub X bullet. Yeah. You want to talk about a combination. That bullet hits like a freight train below the speed of sound, throw the suppressor on there. The sound of the action is the loudest thing you're going to hear is the sound of that bolt moving. Yep. And you can do it with a, like a 10 or 10 and a half inch barrel or yeah, shorter and it's still just giggly fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's the giggle switch. Yep. So. That's yeah. I I it's worth a side subject, but as while we're talking about NFA paperwork, it's sometimes worth it to do the SBR thing too. Oh sure. Yeah, that's fun because that's what like yeah. yeah. My my blackout is a ten inch, ten and a half inch SBR, 
And yeah, that's a fun time. Fun time. Awesome. Well, before we tr- transition to talking more about companies and paperwork and how that all works, I just wanted to share with you guys a, a story that happened recently. Uh, I was hunting in Africa in June and always made the point to put my plugs in before I shot something. Didn't take a suppressor. In hindsight, I think, I don't know of any legal reason why you couldn't take a suppressor to South Africa. I'll have to look into that if I uh, get the opportunity to go again. Uh, but I didn't. Had a little two-port muzzle brake on a 7PRC. Uh, put it in for everything I shot. The last animal I shot was the Springbuck. So uh, made the shot. Thought it was a good shot. Uh, we go to track and we bump it. Oh, crap. The, the shot was a little low and back. Okay. So I'm going to take another shot. Well, it jumped at like 40 yards and stopped at, say, 75 or 80. And so I grabbed a tree real quick and just made a shot and, and finished it before anything else got Western, so to speak. Didn't put my plugs in. Little two-port brake on a 7PRC. Uh, I'm not particularly hypersensitive to that kind of thing, I didn't think. Um, just a typical young man that grew up kind of rough and tumble, had a few head injuries, I suppose. Uh, it rang my bell, and I was sick to my stomach for several hours. And uh, I said, never, never again will I do that. I made that commitment before, and there was a lapse of judgment. And I guess in the in the hustle, I thought, okay, this is the better decision. Just take the ring and ears for a little bit. You know, already got tinnitus, what's, you know, a little bit more, uh, and shoot this animal before, because it's obviously wounded. And I wish I would have taken 10 extra seconds and, and done it. So again, another, another big push for suppressor. Look at this. A hundred free bullets when I buy these select Hornady reloading tools. Wow. 500 free bullets with certain Hornady reloading presses and kits. Well, what do they have? Let's get loaded. There's no better time to stock your reloading bench. Choose from the most durable, precise, and convenient tools on the market and receive free bullets to get you loaded. Visit Hornady.com for further details. Next time we get loaded, I'm buying. So we've talked a lot about how awesome they are. Let's talk more specifically about how to get them because uh, I feel like that was one of my bars of entry was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I mean, that seems, I don't want to mess it up. Uh, what, what's the right thing to do? And now we've got companies like Silencer Shop and Silencer Central that really just make it easy. Click, click, click here, sign here, fingerprint there, and you're done. You can do it completely online. You can do it at kiosks, and they'll walk you through it, and they make it super easy. Um, what's you guys' experience with the actual paperwork side of obtaining a suppressor? I have only done the hard way. Um, I went to a lawyer and, and got a trust made and then everything else I've done has been just a paper form for okay. individual. Yeah. So I, I can't speak to the easy, the new easy way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the general process is you have to find a class three dealer, uh, in your state. This is the old way. So I think there's a little bit, I don't know the, the, the other way I know is a little bit different, but I'll, I'll just go over this, but you find a class three dealer with, within your state. If you want, if they don't have it in stock, then they have to order it and it goes on a form three from the manufacturer to that dealer or from another dealer to that dealer. And then you fill out what is a form four where you go in and it's not dramatically different from a 4473 that you would do to buy a new gun. Okay. So that's simple enough. The the paperwork side of it, other than you have to supply fingerprint cards and passport photos. 
Uh, and the Form 4 is a little bit more in-depth. There is more information on it, but it's the same kind of information as what's on a 4473. Okay. Um, so you, the, and most of the Class 3 dealers know what's going on. They, they should. Yeah. And they'll walk you through what you need to do, how to fill everything out. Uh, and you have to fill that out correctly and be very sure that it is absolutely correct because then you'll put all of that in a packet. You'll write a $200 check to, uh, what is it, the Bureau? ATF, BATF. Well, yeah, you write out the ATF. Um, forget what, anyway, they're overhead. But uh, then you write out the $200 check, put it in there, and you send it off. And then really the only feedback you get is that I think you get a confirmation that they received it, that you'll see that your check clears. And then it's a four to 14 month wait. And then one day they, your, your dealer will say, Hey, I got your paperwork in. Uh, in the meantime, it spends 99% of that time sitting in a box in a filing cabinet somewhere, uh, waiting to get looked at. Cause I think there's something like 10 to 15 agents that do everybody's ATF Whoa. paperwork in the entire nation. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, there's a whole side sidebar on that because I think your $200 goes to the general fund. It doesn't go specifically to that division of the ATF. Um, I don't even think it goes specifically to the ATF. It, it just goes, So there's no method in place for them to scale the number of employees that look at that uh, based on the number of orders that come in because it's it's grown exponentially the number of people that have been. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly just, with the help of companies like Silencer yeah, Central, like we mentioned, well, that and make it easy. The help of inflation to make two hundred dollars oh. not a a deal breaker. Yeah, for, we should talk about that because that started in the twenties, thirties, nineteen thirty four National Firearms Act. Yep. Okay, and two hundred dollars in nineteen thirty four a lot was, different than twenty twenty three. Yeah, um, yeah, and there's a whole debate about the validity of that whole thing yeah, which uh, not the topic of this podcast <laughs> but. but yeah yeah so they they definitely made it hard there um and i think that's the only thing really there was a gun control act in 1968 and then 1986 really didn't affect suppressors at all it was more machine guns destructive devices stuff like that made it harder to make those um sure. but so yeah, ever since 1934, it's been basically the same process. There's been little revisions. You know, the Form 4 has changed a little bit. The process has changed. Now there's e-file, which is arguably a little bit faster. It was faster for a short time period, and then everybody started doing e-files, right. and now we're back to eight, nine, ten months. So I, I will say that the quickest, the, the easiest way I've done it is our, our local guy has uh, now a fingerprint, an electric fingerprint machine. Uh, and can and take the passport photos on site, um, and so that makes it really handy because it's and really, he e-files right there for yeah, you. Yeah, it's a one-stop shop. You can go in there, and he's set up to e-file, so now you can get your fingerprints, passport photos, e and get it all e-filed immediately, electronically sent. So there's no like getting it lost in the mail. We have like a coworker wow. that got yeah. uh, sent the paperwork out, and it was somewhere. Yeah, so I think Katrina happened in 2005, and his paperwork got lost for like 18 months, and well, then it. And then it got found again and sent in, but. And don't you have to do that paperwork three times in a row? So if you, you know. Yeah. Leave something off of one sheet versus right. the other, or it's not spelled correctly or anything like that, yeah. then they, they throw it out. Yeah. So that so. whole 95% of the time that it's sitting there, nobody goes over it and checks it. So then when, after eight months have elapsed and they finally pull your paperwork out and look at it, if you goof something up on there and it doesn't check out. Denied. And they're like, oh yeah, denied, send it back. Uh, and then you start well, over start back so if you're one. going to yeah. do it uh the manual way and send in paperwork i would highly recommend you you send it with a carrier that you can get shipping confirmation and we you know you can put your credit card information in there for that tax stamp that 200 dollars. but we'd also recommend or 
we don't recommend. I would personally recommend you send a check so you can see when that check is cleared. And they cash it almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Convenient. <laughs> uh, I digress. Like I said, not the podcast to get into the, the politics side, but uh, I can attest to how simple it is now with Silencer Central. Um, I'm a big fan of short barrels, like Matt mentioned, and I'm a big fan of small suppressors. Uh, I don't need a 26-inch barrel on a 7-inch can. I want a 20-inch barrel on a 5-inch can. Well, Silencer Central came out with the Banished Backcountry. Super lightweight, short little suppressor. So at the NRA show, they have kiosks set up at the NRA show. Went over to our friends there, signed up, did everything, and they have a kiosk. They've got professionals that literally walk you through everything. And they, just like uh, you were talking, Miles, they do the fingerprints, they do the photos, they do everything right there on site. They set up the trust for you as well. And uh, they just make it so simple. Unfortunately, you're stuck with the $200 tax stamp and that super long waiting period that we're all frustrated about. But the actual application process, they make very, very streamlined, very simple. Preston, you've also experienced that through Silencer Shop. Yep, that was really easy. And I think it all depends on your FFL dealer. You know, I've got a good relationship with the gentleman you use and i've got a good relationship with uh the guy downtown and he walked me through it and held my hand the whole time it was it was great yeah yeah very easy to do same same i the our guy downtown i went through my my rimfire suppressor just easy button you, at the kiosk you do everything at it fingerprints uploads a photo fill all your paperwork out submit it it's just yeah yeah nice that's awesome well and again i think the ease of application with some of these companies and with e-file um, that's increasing the amount of applications that the ATF is getting. And for, for good reason, if you haven't shot suppressed, but you're a recreational shooter or a hunter or even some com- competition use, it is just a game changer. Yep. It's more pleasant for everybody, protects yep. the hearing. Yeah. I think it's better for the animals. There's many yeah. countries overseas that if Borderline you don't required, have a suppressor, yeah. you, you, you're looked down upon. Or yeah. Maybe that's not the right word. No, but it's, I've it's been there. And that's yeah. Yeah, part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say the the Precision Rifle Series matches that I've gone to that were suppressor only have been the most enjoyable match shooting experiences that I've ever had, like hands yep. down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, may or may not have performed as good as I wanted to or, or whatever. You know, you have whatever, match to match issues. But just that fact alone of you can have a conversational tone with everybody. And if you're off the line, for sure, you don't need ears all day long for two days. You don't have, you know, yeah. compression on your head. And, and like pushing against, like you're yeah. wearing sunglasses. I mean, you, yeah. you have none of that and it's just so nice. It's, it's, you, yeah, if you, if you haven't done it and you got the suppressor and you, you shoot that, you should, yeah. you should go to one of those matches and see it. And honestly, if you're a match director and you watch this, you should, you should, <laughs> you should consider making <laughs> yours yeah. a suppressor only match. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I've. I know I've shared quite a few stories, but here's another one where I was on my old man. Hey, dad, you got to order a suppressor. I mean, I'm telling you what, dad, you got to order a suppressor. You got to order a suppressor. Well, this went on for a couple of years and he, 60 years old, I've been shooting my whole life. I don't need a suppressor. It's fine. Whatever. So, you know, over the last few years, dad's built some custom rifles and, and we've done more Western hunting. Well, on this one particular hunt, I got the gun, I got my suppressor on there and the hunting turned out to be uh, less than optimal. So on the last day at about 10.45 in the morning after a very comical event occurred in the morning regarding some pretty uh, disrespectful other public land hunters, he said, you know what? Let's go shoot prairie dogs. 
we're out in sand hills. Let's, let's go shoot prairie dogs. We know where town's at. So we go to shoot prairie dogs. So dad lays down on the gun. We're about 250 to 550 yards away from this town. And uh, my dad had purchased a set of range finding binos with a very simple BC based calculator embedded in there. So we were just going to see how well this thing lines up. So I got binoculars and a tripod. Dad's laying on the gun, 6.5 Creedmoor, shooting 143s. All right, you see, you know, see that yucca plant. Okay, go up two yards and left two yards. There's a big stander on a mount. Oh, yeah, beyond them. Okay, 337 yards, dial 1.3 mils. And that conversation like that happened. You can hear him dial the scope. He shot and jumped up on his knees and was like, I did not think it was going to be that quiet. So he gets back down on the gun and we shoot for another 30 minutes shooting prairie dogs. And he was like, okay, I should have listened to you two years ago. And within that, probably that month or within 30 days, we were at a shop and dad ordered his first suppressor. And you know what happened when he got the first one? He ordered another one. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's one of those deals, like I said at the beginning, once you get one, you're going to wish you would order two right away because it is so eye-opening. The experience is better. And I, one of the reasons I enjoy hunting suppressed, this is, a real, this is a stretch, but it's truly how I feel. When I'm hunting I don't particularly enjoy hearing other gunshots, especially on as as a public land hunter um, or even hunting private property. It's like I don't, it's I, I'm not worried about or concerned with other people's success. It just you know it's kind of uh, I just I just don't like it. And so I feel like me shooting suppressed, I'm not you know celebrating the fact that I got a shot and you didn't or something to other people who are hunting in the in that same area. Uh, and I think that in my opinion. The animals do react differently, and if I'm hunting public land, I'm not shooting draws out, and animals are scattered everywhere and jumping fences back onto private. So again, I don't know if that's some sort of virtue signal that I've got in my subconscious, but I know I enjoy not hearing other hunters shoot, and so I almost feel like it's a, doing a service to everybody that's hunting, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely better too for kids or like oh, yeah. like uh, yeah, significant others that are a little, I don't know, noise sensitive or, or, I mean, it's, it's a lot to take in for somebody who's never been around firearms in their whole life. And then they come in and you've got recoil, you got this huge bang, you know, and it's like, it can be overwhelming for some people. And definitely the suppressor makes it more approachable, like hands down. And I know me as a dumb kid growing up, we were, my dad had a Browning Able 308 with the boss brake on it. And for the longest time I had a warp sense of how powerful or how much kick or whatever I was getting from a 308, the kick isn't bad, you know, in retrospect, I just was shooting a, a muzzle brake rifle without ears mm. and, you know, it was ringing my bell and I didn't like it, you know? So it was, I, there was hesitation at, on every shot, you know, Yep. which yep. in retrospect, yeah, we should have been wearing ears. That was, that's dumb, but yeah. yeah well, learn. Like, like Seth said, you've got tinnitus, I've got tinnitus. I mean, we've got kids. I don't want my kids to not be able to hear. So no. it's like, Hey, you know, uh, you know, when they're mowing or when they're doing anything louder or I'm doing anything loud around them, Hey, earplugs, earmuffs, something. But yeah, now shooting. Cause, uh, the first year my daughter got, we were, we were in a box blind and she was out this window and she had earplugs in and I was looking out the other window and I had a muzzle brake on and that I, th I thought I got hit in the face, punched in the face by oh, that, yeah. that blast. And it was like, yep. Suppressor. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it was just, it was not pleasant. So yep. 
I remember that too as a kid. Like hold my ears, you know, but crouch you down. It. It's yeah. not but just my dad, the sound. Yeah, dad's here and yeah, shoots and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> no. it's not just the sound. It's the, it feels like you got hit yeah. by something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one last topic that's becoming more popular, although it's not necessarily mainstream yet. But one last topic before we wrap this thing up. Here in the great state of Nebraska and several others, you can hunt with a smokeless muzzleloader. And you can have a suppressor on your muzzleloader. And there's a cool factor to that. Uh, obviously makes reloading a little bit clumsier. But Silencer Co. has the, the uh, Hybrid 46. If you've got a 45 caliber muzzleloader. I know Silencer Central has a, a 46 caliber muzzleloader. Uh, excuse me, 46 caliber suppressor as well. And I haven't done it yet. But it's on my stuff to do list because I've got a high performance 45 caliber muzzleloader and it's got a brake on it and it's pretty tameable. That, that brake really helps it be uh, easier to shoot than, you know, a typical big recoiling muzzleloader. But, uh, you know, uh, Luke at Arrowhead Rifles has been a big proponent of it now for the last several years. And again, with the Hybrid 46 out there or with the Silencer Central Banish 46, you've got a legitimate suppressor for your precision muzzleloading setup. And have any of you guys experimented with that or was even aware that that's a thing? No. no. And I, and I don't know that I necessarily will. I never say never, but I mean, there's even one muzzleloader that's integrally, integrally suppressed that they can ship to your house. Yeah? that. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I don't, I've not heard the best reviews on it, but I don't have any personal experience yeah. with it. But it is a suppressor i'm going to call it maybe they call it a moderator but it's welded to the barrel and uh you, that's a traditional inline muzzle inline, I think, 50 cal yeah, pellets or black horn 209 whatever have you but yeah, yeah hmm. if if you're if you enjoy shooting suppressed and you're a muzzleloader hunter you could look into to that or yeah i've also got a smokeless muzzleloader and love it i just i don't know if i'll do it yeah well like i, I don't said, shoot it that, that the much. reloading is a little bit more clumsy have to have a really long drop tube or remove the suppressor but when you're out there for that you know one shot type of thing cut the recoil down cut the sound down uh kind of a kind of a cool option out there it'd be nice mm -hmm. yeah so uh, if you can suppress it you should yeah in summary if you should suppress <laughs> it you should i think that's a good spot to end do any of you guys have anything else to add about uh, this discussion around suppressors whether that be gas gun or getting your gas gun to run subsonic pistols bolt guns anything I'll just say we understand the limitations that we are under right now. If we said anything that you don't agree with, just know that we we get it. Yeah, we get it. We, mm -hmm. Yeah, we, this is not a podcast to get political on for sure. Yeah, and yeah, we, yeah, that's a good good way to leave it. But I think Miles said it all. If you should, if you can suppress it, you should. Yeah, it's a it's a bundle of fun. And if you like, we I think me, your dad, maybe you all been in the same spot where you're like, oh, you know, that's cool guy stuff, whatever. I've been shooting my whole life without it. Don't really need it. Uh, you can go out and experience it once. If you haven't, uh, it might, might change your mind in a hurry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for, for sitting down and discussing something that I know you're all passionate about. And again, I said it at the beginning, <laughs> we're getting progressively more passionate about with the more brands and options that are out there. And uh, yeah, just thank you guys for, for the discussion. Absolutely. It's yeah. our pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Seth. Hopefully you enjoyed this discussion about suppressors. We really think that they enhance your shooting experience, less recoil, 
They're quieter. They're a ton of fun. If you haven't shot with one, go out and check one out. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll catch you on the next one.